Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Eelman, and today we are talking about freedom, fake news, and a stubborn government. Maybe I'll say a very stubborn government. Aaron, can you fill us in? Uh, Many of our listeners know that you were back in Ottawa this week. We were there together. Can you fill us in what's happening in Ottawa? Yeah, and you can help fill people in too, because I know you were there and we had a great time together. So we made our our second trip up to Ottawa. We, We visited the Freedom Convoy from Monday to Wednesday. Uh, basically, we just kind of moved around. We we talked to truckers. We talked to participants. We tried to encourage them. We uh, shared our faith. We worshiped on the hill. We took pictures. We corrected some of the inaccurate media reports. And I would say compared to the previous week, people were just as resolved. There was probably a few more people there, I would think, a little bit, little bit better uh, attendance. And... I did miss the horn honking. I got to say, I just kind of like the sound of it. Yeah. So our <laughs> listeners, just so you're aware, I think there's a 10 day injunction city yeah. bylaw or something that put the horns to silence uh, yeah. somewhere around Sunday night or something. Yeah. And um, so there was a lot of, you know, media coverage and memes made up about that. Police uh, stopping Canada geese and telling them they can't honk <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. But it was great. People are more entrenched, I would say. There's more temporary structures built and- the police, I mean, there are a lot of police there, but the police were very kind mm-hmm. from everything I could see. Um, I think our the challenge is continuing to fight against the the stubbornness of the mayor, the stubbornness of the prime minister who just won't seem to budge. Like they seem to think these people are just going to pack up and go home and they're not. Mm-hmm. They, some of these people have nothing to lose, as you know, Chris. Mm-hmm. Like they're there, kind of got there in their last tank of, fuel. They have nothing to go back to. And so they're not going anywhere until this ends. And the uh, the notion that somehow they're disrupting the city, this is just the elitist snobs that are promoting that lie. It's people who are comfortable, who have well-paying jobs. In the Ottawa area, obviously there's a lot of government jobs. Uh, it's elitist. It's people who don't, they don't care about the average dude who's lost his job, who has nothing to return to. They are statists and, um, you know, they, they need to, they need to show some more compassion to the common man who, you know, has nothing to return to. So it, it was an encouraging time. Of course, we got back late last night and then we were down at the Windsor protest for a little bit this morning, you and I are still shivering a little bit. Yeah, we, it was cold. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> we didn't exactly come as well prepared. Got that a cup one of coffee we... here. Just a second. I got to take a sip. <laughs> mm. nice. Oh, that was good. That warmed me up. So oh, poor we, guys uh, sitting down at the border that are going to listen to this in about a half an hour that are for me the coffee. <laughs> we'll get to that. So that's a little snapshot of the Ottawa experience. Uh, we have lots of folks from our church headed up this weekend and next week to support them. And then we have lots headed down to the Ambassador Bridge, Windsor uh, border to support the growing protest there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up in Ottawa, I think the, uh, the big thing that stood out to me, because this was my first time to go was, well, obviously what we talked about last week, but the utter contrast between what you read on the news and what's in real life. So uh, it's just, it's bizarre. It's, it it is, is. it it is. 
it's hard to it's hard to reconcile what you see and then what's reported. And people have asked, you know, why? And well, there's a lot of reasons. We have a clash of worldviews. So people see what they want to see, right? Mm -hmm. You 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 get one clown walking through the crowd with a Confederate flag day one, and they just take that and they run with it. They just blanket the whole protest with that. Mm -hmm. And there's growing there's growing uh, belief that those people are plants mm -hmm. because th that that type of person, I haven't even met that type of person at the protest. One of the things I did this week is I took pictures of people that aren't white. And, you know, I, I went up to them and I said, hey, you know, you're here. I'm, I'm, a, white, I'm a white guy and you're not. Can I take my picture with you to show the world to put an end to this ridiculous narrative that this is like, first of all, that they're all white. Mm -hmm. And even if they were all white, who really cares? If that's just the way it worked out, it doesn't matter. It's not like we have to have a certain quota. But I also wanted to put an end to the notion that they were there was there was a no white people that or no non white people there, and b that this was some sort of a white supremacist rally. It's it's so ridiculous. It's mm -hmm. so absurd that that narrative is out there. And by the way, just as a sidebar, it would be really nice for us to stop using these color identifiers to identify people's skin. We're all different shades of brown. I've never met an actual white person or a black person. We're all different shades of brown. We're much more alike than we than than we are different. And who really cares mm -hmm. what the tone of your skin is or the texture of your hair is? It doesn't matter. Okay, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. We all worship the same king. We're all accountable to his word. Salvation is <laughs> through the same person, the Lord Jesus Christ. This manufactured racial hatred that we see increasingly rising up in our culture, we as Christians need to work really hard not to be part of that, mm -hmm. not to contribute to the to the lie that everyone's sort of out to get each other. I see Canadians loving one another. Uh, we see people really not caring about others' ethnic ethnic backgrounds. They I think most people are are you're you're always gonna find the the odd wingnut that is aggressive towards people of a different ethnic group, but that same person probably can't even get along with their own brother, you know, and yep. their family. There's some people that are always divisive, but for us, we're coming together as Canadians to fight against this tyranny. But yeah, it was, it was really an encouraging time. Of course, it's a long trip. It's pretty much eight hours there and eight hours back. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit of a commitment, but it was great. Yeah. I think one of the most hilarious moments for me was walking up Monday evening and seeing so many jerry cans. Like every <laughs> single person is carrying a jerry can because I guess they had out, outlawed bringing diesel to the truckers yeah. on Sunday at some point. And so their solution was, well, if everybody carries a jerry can, I even saw one guy drinking Gatorade out of a jerry can. Which, the little kids don't see that. Yeah. But, but uh, it was, I, I snickered at that a few times as well. And, you know, we were telling jokes about um, maybe wheeling up a, a baby carriage with a yeah. with a jerry can under a blanket, and then if we were approached and asked, uh, you know, hey, what's in your what's in your uh, baby stroller there? Oh, that's just little little baby Jerry. He's sleeping right now, yeah. <laughs> or he's got. We gas. didn't do that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or he has <laughs> gas. Yeah, he's we gassed out. <laughs> we did not do that, but uh, no, it was good. Very very good. So tell us, tell our listeners, because we were just down 
down yeah. at the bridge in Windsor. What's mm-hmm. going on in Windsor? Yeah, so Windsor is, um, uh, there's there's a group right in front of the Ambassador Bridge, and then there's a group sort of down a side street where there, there's kind of a couple ways you can get onto the bridge. So there's two areas they've blocked off. And they're, obviously it's a much smaller crowd than, than in Ottawa and it's less organized. It's just kind of just started. There's not a lot of big rigs there. There's a few, but most of it is, is pickup trucks and cars and whatnot and some trailers. But um, it's very peaceful. They, uh, I, I had a chance to sort of speak to the crowds and pray with them. And then I was speaking to the, to the um, police liaisons uh, on site. Everyone's has a great attitude. Obviously, we all want this to end. We were interviewed briefly by the media. I hope they report accurately, but if they don't, we have video footage of the interview. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see the, 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 the narratives, as I would call them, being built. So the media, the officials are sort of asking questions like, well, what about disrupting people that live close to the bridge? Or what about the damage to the economy? Well, no, nobody wants to see the trucking companies struggle. Nobody wants to see food shortages. Nobody wants to see these things. But again, the, the problem is not citizen to citizen. The problem mm-hmm. is citizen to government right now. And we're not saying that because we're trying to fuel some sort of anarchistic a mindset, but this ends when the prime minister and the and the premier remove the mandates. Period. So let's direct our angst toward them. Let's put mm-hmm. the pressure on them to end these mandates. So how dare how dare someone who still has their job and who still can cross the border without problem? How dare they wag their finger at someone that's lost their job? It's like get out of my way. I'm delivering my produce or I'm delivering my my. Um, you know, my, my material, how, how dare they wag their finger at someone who's without a job, who can't work, who's been forced out of society, essentially. Mm-hmm. We cannot permit the, this ongoing narrative of citizens fighting citizens or police fighting citizens or vice versa. We're not anti-police, we're not anti-Canadian, we're not anti-one another, and we're not anti-government. Mm-hmm. We want the government to do the right thing and to end the mandates. If an individual wants to continue to self-impose mandates on their own life, have at it. If you want to continue to wear a mask and not invite your family over for Christmas and not work, not show up to work and stand six feet away from other people, have at it. But let the rest of us get back to uh, living and worshiping and let's let's get rid of these vax passports we also want the state of course to delete emergency powers not just end the mandates because if they end the mandates not the emergency powers they can just throw them back in the next day that's right so the windsor protests are bigger at night from what i understand and uh, again we we just literally you and i just got back with a friend from ottawa last night so this is our first exposure to the 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 windsor protests but there's people there from from other um parts of Southwestern Ontario that are protesting as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important uh, that our listeners are aware the, not now in, if you're in the States, you might not be aware of the, all the borders and where they are, but this border between Detroit and Windsor is the busiest bridge international crossing in all of North America from what I understand. Some have said the world, but I don't know if that's true, uh, but biggest international crossing, something like $300 million a day crosses is what a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. tons, right? So to have this border stopped is huge, huge problem. I just heard on the news as well that the 402, which is the highway coming out of Sarnia, that it the westbound has been blocked all day oh, with okay. tractors and farm equipment. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, so in southwestern Ontario, you have the Ambassador Bridge entering into Detroit. So Windsor borders on Detroit, for those of you living outside of the area, we're a border town. And then we also have a tunnel, mm-hmm. the, the Windsor-Detroit tunnel, which sort of goes from downtown Windsor to downtown Detroit. That's not really great for big rigs, but it's fine for people getting back and forth to work. And then to the north of us, if you drove through Michigan, it'd be about an hour, but through Canada, it's a couple hours. We have the Blue Water Bridge. There's actually two of them. That's right. Going from um, Sarnia to Port Huron. That's right. And uh, that one is still more or less open. So a lot of the rigs are going up there. So um, if you're listening to me and let's say you're a you're a trucking company owner, because I, I, I have been very sensitive to the fact that if I was one of the, if I was the owner of a company shipping product to the States and now a bunch of protesters are blocking my ability to do that, I get it. That would make me upset, mm-hmm. but you have to direct your anger at the government. And I don't mean violent anger, righteous anger at the government. These people who have ruled, we're supposed to be a nation that's governed. Mm-hmm. There's checks and balances in place with the judiciary. Judici- judiciary, mm-hmm. an executive and a legislative branch of government, they've not been doing that. They've essentially been ruling us, not governing us. Direct your anger at them. Mr. Trudeau needs to remove the mandates. He's already getting flack from his own caucus. Mm-hmm. He's two, two MPs in the liberal government have stood up and said, you know, this needs to change. It, it would be understandable if the province and the and the feds had negotiated with protesters and the protesters being unreasonable. But that's not the case. Our audience needs to understand that no official has met with any protester, to my knowledge at this point. They refuse to. Mm-hmm. Their, their desire is you will obey us or else. And what's interesting, Chris, as you know, is in other parts of our own province – the mandates are being lifted. That's right. And in other countries as well. So this whole, when the prime minister speaks, it's always the science. Every statement that when he's debating in the House of Commons is, oh, the science, the science. Oh, so the science is different in Ontario than it is in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. The virus is a different virus in Ontario than it is in Alberta. Um, Are are humans composed of different constituent parts? We have different biology here compared to Sweden. Like, don't play these games with us. Mm -hmm. We know, and we've always known that things like vaccine passports and mandatory vaccines are fundamentally, are fundamentally a political issue. Mm -hmm. They're not driven by science. And so it sounds good because we live in a culture that's so scientized that when people hear the word science, they think, oh, objective truth. What's, what's hilarious is if you actually listen to the science itself the, the science of how to handle viral spread and what best mitigates against viral spread and on and on, that's constantly changing. So, and, and it is a bit of a stretch too to, to actually put public health protocols in the category of, let's say, cellular biology. You know, cellu- cellular biology or chemistry are more objective aspects of science. 
the the temperature at which water boils is pretty objective. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about when you're taking the word science and you're applying it to how far away you should stand from someone or what material you should have put over your face to stop a virus or whether we should force people to be vaccinated to work, that's not science. I mean, there's a scientific background or there's a scientific aspect to it, but it's also sociological, it's political, it's economical, et cetera. But what the government likes to do is if they come up with a policy, basically a crowd control policy is what a lot of this stuff is. Let's say a crowd control policy and they slap the word science on it. Everyone's like, oh, well, you're, are you anti-science? So we have to be careful about the words that we allow them to use because words are powerful. This is largely a word war. No one's thrown fists yet. No one's thrown rocks through windows and whatever. It's a word war. It's a battle of will. Who's going to back down first? The last thing and the worst thing that the protesters could do is to back down. Mm-hmm. If, if they back down, we're done. I don't think it's in the best interest of the police or officials to do raids and this sort of thing as well. I mean, we need to remember Ipperwash. Ipperwash was a different conflict, but back in 1996, we had the conflict between the indigenous tribes and Ipperwash, who had their land taken from them in world uh, coming into World War II. And, um, you know, they, they sent the police in and there was, there was confrontation. There was a life loss there. Nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. We want there to be a peaceful resolve. Frankly, I do feel sorry for some of the police who are put in a position of trying to negotiate. It should be the politicians that are negotiating, not hiding behind the police negotiators, right? It's a little bit unfair because I don't want the police to be viewed as the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I don't want the police to feel that they're the enemy of the people. But when we have this kind of divisive politics and they're sort of the frontline guys having to go out and do what needs to be done, or I shouldn't say what needs to be done, who are out doing what the government wants them to do, mm-hmm. um, it the, the ivory tower elite politicians can hide in their offices and they make the, the guys on the ground look like the fools, right? And they're the ones that start um, having it out with protesters. We don't want that. We want the police to keep the peace. We want the protesters to stand firm and we want the government to simply return what they have stolen Mm -hmm. from us, which is our charter rights. It's it's a very reasonable request Mm -hmm. (laughs) to have our charter rights reinstated. Yeah. What I think is interesting as well, and some conservative uh, MPs have made this point, is that the science is now aligning with opening up and, uh, you know, of course, science being used loosely there, but the medical officers of Ontario and I think Dr. Teresa Tamp have given a wide open door for the politicians to walk through. But basically at this point, it's like they don't want to look like they're conceding to the truckers. Yeah. It sure seems that way. It seems stubborn. It's, yeah. This is where you have a battle of the will. You have stubbornness. I, I'm a little perplexed as to why the conservatives haven't stood up earlier but I am liking what I'm hearing now. I think they might not have stood up earlier because they were still in it in the trance of COVIDism. Mm-hmm. And secondly, with Aaron O'Toole at the helm, he was really quite a, quite of a red Tory, a liberal a liberal conservative, we could call it. And um, there was probably uh, he probably had his his uh, foot on the brake mm-hmm. for uh, any of the conservatives to speak out. Uh, Also, 
the the conservatives are frankly guilty of being opportunists mm-hmm. and realizing that there's a lot of people out there that um, uh, you know are upset when when you're the lone voice crying in the wilderness, no one pays attention to you. But when there's hordes of people coming out of the wilderness saying enough's enough, it's a, a different mm-hmm. scenario. And early on in this cultural war, you know, men like you and I obviously saw what was happening and we were concerned. We've been speaking out against this stuff for almost two years now. And I think we've seen proof of proof in the pudding. The proof is the proof that when there's just a few voices speaking out, the government's like, ah, they're just a bunch of Looney Tunes. You get more and more people yelling loudly, this has to stop, and suddenly they have to pay attention. But instead of being principled people and saying, okay, maybe enough's enough, they just dig in. Mm -hmm. That's what we've seen. Well, dig in all you want because you're not going to win. The state's not going to win. The citizens citizens have already cast off the the yoke, so to speak, and they're just going to continue to cast off more and more of the yoke and live their lives as per usual. So it's in the best interest of the state. If the state wants to save face, then just appeal to the quote unquote science and uh, lift the mandates. Mm-hmm. Well said. Now, before we get into, cause I want to ask you, how can people help best? But before that, do you have any way of pointing people to good information? Cause one of the challenges with what's happening in Windsor, what's happening in Ottawa is getting on the ground information that's accurate because <laughs> obviously the media is not portraying it accurately. Uh, we even have some that are maybe more favorable, favorable to our cause spreading rumors that, you know, half the police force in Ottawa resigned, that kind of thing. Um, where would you go to for information? Well, where, where I go to is um, the sites where the activity is taking place. I, you know, I've chosen to travel to these places and to observe what's going on. And, because I'm not a liar, uh, people who listen to my podcasts or follow me on social media, I think benefit from some of the mm-hmm. clips we've done. Um, we're not really interpreting a whole lot. We're just panning the audience and saying, hey, this is what we're, we're seeing. But I, I would say um, increasingly the legacy media is sort of falling apart. People just don't trust it. The CTVs, the CBCs. We'll see how my CBC interview comes out early. I'm so fascinated <laughs> to see what comes through. So it's a good thing well, we recorded I, it. So. I told the guy, I said, if you misrepresent what I've said, I will call you out on social media, right? And you're just shooting yourself in the foot. By the way, um, the Windsor Star, Ann Jarvis, the Windsor Star, um, Ian Hannamansing from CBC, and one of the reporters from CTV in Edmonton, all within the last 24 to 48 hours have put out these pity, pity, articles or tweets basically saying um basically making themselves look like like they're the victims Hmm. that they're being sort of mistreated and people aren't trusting them and whatever else well (laughs) i i don't know what else to say than you know get out of your armchairs and go out and actually objectively have a conversation with protesters and you'll see that a lot of what you've written you've written is a lie Mm -hmm. it's a lie to call these protesters names. It's a lie to accuse them of anarchy and sedition and um, like racism, misogyny, all these 
woke words that people like to throw around that have become almost meaning homophobic, Islamophobic. It's all smoke and mirrors. So they, they're on their, I could see they're defending themselves because I think they're taking some heat and they should take some heat because journalism isn't you just blabbing off your personal opinion and passing it off as gospel truth. You go out, you report on the facts of what's being witnessed, but too much of modern day journalism has become like an opinion piece, an opinion column. And it's an opinion column from the perspective of elitists, largely armchair journalists who have been educated in a lot of left in, left leaning institutions who almost have the narrative written before they even interview people. Mm-hmm. You can see it in their questions because th- their questions even today are along the lines of, what would you say to the person that lives near to the protest that doesn't like it? What would you say to the people who, who are um, not able to get their goods across? Like they're, they're not asking questions like, hey, tell us about the mental health issues. Tell us about the sociological issues that you've experienced in the lives of your people as a pastor. Tell, us, tell, tell me a story about a guy that lost his job. So the, the institutions that are supposedly getting the truth out to um, the population are putting their spin on it. Mm-hmm. And this is why people increasingly aren't trusting them, and they shouldn't. So I would go to multiple sources. Uh, be careful about these shady little letters that get passed around and these whisper campaigns. We want to make sure we always take the high road and on occasion we might post something that's inaccurate, but don't just forward something because your best buddy sent it to you. Like don't believe every rumor. Mm-hmm. Don't believe every accusation. Make sure that you've checked two or three sources. And um, I mean, you, you kind of know there's some people that are more thoughtful there's some people that are more thorough. There's some people that are more objective. Uh, there are some sources that are more objective. You know, I'm a I'm I'm a big fan of some of these alternative news sources like Rebel News, but sometimes they get it wrong too. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of exaggerate or um, put their ideological bent on it. So we have to be we have to be careful that we we um, fact check as best as we can, what we're posting or what we're saying. Now, at the end of the day, we, we live in a culture that's very fascinated with what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. And I, I just want to say to people, that's fine, the, the, but this isn't just about news. This is about the reality of people losing jobs, of businesses being closed, of churches being slammed shut for a virus that has a 99.999% survival rate. And even, even if you're like a you know big big believer in the vaccines, like ninety percent of the population's vaccinated, let's get on with it. Yep, let's get on with it. You actually think you're going to get to one hundred percent? Clearly, you're not. Let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. So, let's not I, just to bring great, greater clarity to that. Let's not make the fight primarily about who's sharing the most accurate information. Let's make the fight about the fight. Mm-hmm. And the fight is to end the mandates, to end the tyranny, to end the totalitarianism, to restore freedom of choice over areas that God has given us choice in. We're not pro-choice in the sense of aborting your babies, for example, but we are pro-choice in the sense of deciding whether you want to take an injection or not. 
deciding whether you want to take aspirin or Tylenol or not. You know, these kind deciding whether you want to get a tonsillectomy or not. So these choices are ones that we want to champion and not have foisted upon us. And we have to, by the way, I'll just say this. We have to fight this ridiculous narrative that somehow, unless everyone makes the same medical choice that you do, that you're somehow at risk from them. <laughs> so if you believe in the mandates and you believe in the masking and you believe in the vaccines and all that kind of stuff, well, then have at it. But if, if your neighbor chooses to do otherwise, what are you running around terrified of them for? That's not science. That's propaganda. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well said. So if you want good firsthand information, you go and go visit Windsor, come to Windsor, yeah. <laughs> come to Windsor, come to Ottawa. Honestly, so you check Aaron Rock's Facebook and then, you know, he's a bit of a shady character. So if you want to really, really get it right, you got to talk to Chris Eelman. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's good. Well, okay. Let's move and chat. How do we help practically? Like what are the needs? How can we push this forward so that it's not just like we're liking a post on Facebook yeah. and saying, following the news story, it's, Hey, it's fascinating. We actually want to help accomplish the goal. Right. So it is a word war. So I am a big fan of writing the letters, calling your MPP your MPs, calling people in positions of authority, writing good social media posts, forwarding information, cheering on the social media warriors. That's good. But I would also say show up at the protests, mm -hmm. dig in with them and support what they're doing. Uh, do not abide as much as possible by the mandates. Um, there's not much point in abiding by the mandates and then fighting the mandates. So as, as much as possible, um, cast off the, the, the yoke of the mandates that have been forced upon us. And then in terms of like financial and tangible support, um, if you, if you go to these protests, of course, these big crowd raising crowdfunding platforms are all kind of been shaken. GoFundMe kind of flopped out on us. And then the give, send, go is struggling, I think with some infrastructure issues. So what we've been doing is going to some of these folks and just, giving them cash. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, don't be worried about them getting too much cash. These people aren't just looking for cash to fill their tanks. They also have bills and mortgages to pay some of them still right. back home, right? So don't worry if they end up getting a lot of money out of this. That's great. They should. They should be honored for their stance. Mm -hmm. um, dropping off gift cards, these sorts of things. If you know someone that's going to a protest, a good way, don't, don't be sending, don't be, um, you know, just, sending in boxes and boxes and boxes of food items. I, th I actually think they have a lot of food. Some of them are like, please stop sending food. <laughs> you got too much. But if you can give them money or gift cards to purchase what they need, mm -hmm. then you'll be helping them. If you know, I, I'm not interested in organizing all this, but um, if you know of a trucker that you trust, you can e-transfer him some funds or her some funds and then have them distribute it to the others that are there. Mm -hmm. By the way, when you're at these protests, there are big rigs, the big trucks, but there's also pickup trucks and cars. And a lot of those people are just as committed and they're there just as for the long haul, but they're not getting funds because you walk by like four or five cars. It's like, oh, there's a big truck. Let's give this guy money. Let's interview this guy. But the protest is more than just big rigs. Mm -hmm. The protest is, is also um, pickup truck drivers and guys that are driving old beat up 
Nissans. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. make sure that you um, pay attention to what they're doing and fund them as well. And if you have the means, um, show up. We, we want to stress, this is so vital, to remain peaceful. Mm-hmm. It's really important. The, the elitists are trying to get up on the moral high ground and shoot down at the truckers and protesters by accusing them of all sorts of things, try to get them all worked up. They're trying to position, and then you, you can easily find yourself in a, posi- a defensive position, right? When you're being shot at, and I, when I say shot at, with, I'm talking yeah. metaphorically, when you're being shot at, you put yourself in a defensive position. Don't, don't even buy into that. Like make sure that you are always on the offensive, that you're trying to, you're controlling the narrative. You're saying what needs to be said. And, uh, you know, you're, you're calling them out. You're putting them on the defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're the, we don't need to defend our right for freedom and liberty. What's fascinating is you even have these counter protesters. And AM800, I think, did some sort of an interview. I didn't listen to it. I just saw the post and commented on it. They're, you know, they're, they're planning a counter protest in Windsor. Oh, okay, so you got counter protesters. Think of the logic here. Mm-hmm. Who are using their freedom mm-hmm. to go and challenge people who want freedom so that t- together we can remain enslaved. That's the, that's the, the an, another indication of a intellectually failing culture. Mm-hmm. That's the kind way. What would be another word for intellectually <laughs> failing culture? I, I Appropriate to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> moronic. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, there's well, another word that starts with S and ends with tupid. <laughs> oh. And in other words, it starts with D and ends with um. <laughs> so <laughs> fortunately in Ottawa, anyways, the counter protest was, I think I saw two people. Yeah. So, during the week, it's a little thinner. One guy is walking out of the sign that says something like sedition. And what was his other word? Oh yeah. Anarchy or something. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Oh really? We're, we're guilty of sedition because a person can't work and has been robbed of the opportunity to have a livelihood so that you can walk around with your sign. Anyway. Yeah. I, it is. Okay, so I'm, I just want, I want to say this to people that are listening. So, and I assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening. So that's probably redundant for me to say. <laughs> but why why is it that people who, under normal circumstances, want radical autonomy and radical liberty, are opposing people that want liberty? And the answer to that is it's a spiritual battle. Wicked people want liberty to do evil, mm-hmm. to abort their children, to determine their own gender, to say whatever they want, blasphemy or otherwise, to participate in um, the promulgation of falsehood. Wicked people want liberty under normal circumstances to do evil. They want radical autonomy out from under God. Righteous people, and when I say righteous, there's out there, there, well, no one's righteous. Okay, I get it. We're talking about people who are living in obedience to God's word, who are committed to moral, virtuous living. No one's perfect, but they're committed to moral, virtuous living. They want liberty in order to do good. So if God says, six days you work, seven you rest, that's what they want. They want to be able to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Raise up your children in the ways of the Lord. That's what they want. Gather together and worship. That's what they want. So good people, the reason why we fight for liberty and rights is not to do evil. We fight for these things to do good. The wicked fight for liberty to do evil. So this is why deep in the human heart, 
I believe that the godless know that the fight we're fighting is a righteous fight and they despise it. Mm -hmm. They use the freedom that our forebears earned for them and passed on to them to try to stop other people from exercising liberty and freedom because they know deep down in their human heart, they may not be fully conscious of it, that we're fighting a spiritual battle here. We're fighting for the liberty to do good. They know that they have to submit themselves to an authority. Everybody knows that. And unfortunately, godless people would much rather submit themselves to the state's authority because the state is the one that awards them mm -hmm. the quote unquote right to pick their gender, mm -hmm. to abort their children, to sleep around, to cuss and blaspheme. They want to be under that kind of authority because that kind of authority is a godless authority that gives them permission to do evil. But we want to put ourselves under the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that the, 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 the liberty that he gives us is not, it's not radical. It's constrained. Mm -hmm. But we want that kind of liberty to do good, to raise our families, to work, to worship, et cetera. So this is why you have counter protesters who use their quote unquote freedom to speak out against people who want freedom in order that we might remain enslaved because they know that when they're enslaved to the state, the state actually gives them liberty to do evil. Mm -hmm. When you're enslaved to God, you have liberty to do good and righteousness. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful to uh, <clears throat> kind of frame up for everyone. Um, so practically speaking, helping in those ways, sending cash to people, encouraging them with your presence is good. Now we kind of maybe want to move and chat. What's the role of the church in this? Uh, well, we need our prayer, prayer groups meeting and praying for revival. We need our preachers on the street preaching the word. I was really encouraged the second trip to Ottawa. There were a lot of street preachers, especially on the Tuesday. Mm -hmm. one, one guy came up to me and said, hey, we're looking for a hotel bathtub to baptize the guy we just led to Christ. So later I talked to him and they found um, a place to baptize this new convert. I, th I think there was another group that I, that said the same thing, but there was so many conversations mm -hmm. I have, I can't recall exactly. So there were people sharing the gospel. There was like a Billy Graham evangelism team there, a couple people I knew. Um, there were people that were praying and worshiping. So that was really neat. There was actually a very significant Christian presence mm -hmm. in Ottawa on the streets, peacefully protesting and participating in the conversation, which yeah. was pretty encouraging to hear. And we need more of that. So I, I understand people look for leadership, but it's not enough just to, as you said earlier, click the like button or forward the post. We need boots on the ground. Once you're there, it's, I, I know it can be kind of intimidating for people, but don't be, don't be scared. There's nothing to be scared about. Um, you know, you go into all these protests, people aren't going to be beating you up. You're going to maybe have words with someone, but for the most part, it's, it's an, it's like a big family reunion. It's like-minded people that are there that are encouraging one another, building each other up, standing with one another. And, um, the, the church, so that, that's how the church sort of active and scattered can get involved. Collectively, preachers need to preach on these issues. There's nothing partisan about preaching God's uh, pr preaching on, on personal liberty. Mm -hmm. There's nothing God, 
partisan about preaching on the limited role of the state and its authority. There's nothing, nothing um, uh, godless about that. I, I would say that, like, I personally don't think it's worth your time to be spending a lot of time online correcting Christians who by now know better but aren't on our side. Right. So I know a, a lot of people are loader for bear and they get really upset when some preacher or podcaster or whatever it might be that's still pro-state and pro-absolute submission keeps putting out these posts, encouraging people to bow down to the state. I, I would just ignore these people. They're, they're digging their own grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're burying themselves. They're not flourishing spiritually. They're not flourishing in ministry. Just ignore them because at the end of the day, they're, they're a distraction. If they haven't been won over now, they're probably not going to be run, won over tomorrow. So work with the people that you have that want to make a difference, want to speak out uh, in favor of liberty and freedom, want to get their churches and businesses reopened. And then I also think the church has a responsibility to meet the needs of those that have lost jobs. So that's what we've been trying to do as a church, providing uh, material support for people who've lost jobs. So we want to do a good job of that. The Lord has blessed us financially and we're just, we're not interested in, in keeping those funds, we we want to pass those on to people that are in need and sort of be the hands and feet of of Christ, and uh, that's what we're doing. I would encourage churches, to, other churches, to do the same. That's good. One encouraging thing to me when we were in Ottawa, I chatted with a the guy. They had gotten a hold of a thousand Bibles, I guess, okay. and we're handing them out. Oh, and uh, it's kind of a neat thing. They took, I guess, some had given them several thousand dollars and so they stuck a $50 bill in each Bible oh, cool. that they could cool. and then gave it to the truckers so that nice. they wasn't just a Bible they're given, but given cash. And uh, yeah, tremendous opportunities. People are very open and looking to uh, talk. Not everybody is ultimately open and going to be saved. I had a conversation with a guy that as soon as I explained the judgment of God against sin, got very angry at me and said we're done, we didn't want to yeah, talk anymore, sure. but that's the offense oh, of the, the gospel. gospel's offensive, yeah. We don't need to be offensive, but the gospel's offensive. I'll say one more thing. There there are admittedly at some of these protests, some nutty people, some people with some crazy views. There's, But I think there's more crazies in parliament right now, frankly. <laughs> and I know uh, my wife shared with me a, a message that one of our local officials put out, you know, basically there's a bunch of crazy people there. Okay, well, <laughs> so... We know that. Maybe they're crazy because of the mental health pandemic in our culture because of some of your policies. Ever thought about that? Mm -hmm. But you do do draw out some people that are off the wall in their thinking, but that's fine. We're still going to love them and speak the truth to them. But those people don't represent the majority. The majority of people are just average, hardworking young men, young women, mothers and fathers, middle-aged truckers, retirees that are not going to put up with the rise of the same root ideologies that led to communism, that led to Marxism in Europe, that led to totalitarianism, that lead to atheism, et cetera. They're not going to put up with that. I know many pastors don't see that because most pastors are trained as exegetical theologians. They're not, they don't, they're not trained in cultural apologetics or theology. Some of them are very disconnected from the real world. And I know God uses different sorts of people, but 
the the reality is we are fighting a cultural war and we're fighting against the ideology of the state. So being aware of those ideologies is really important to combat the narrative. But I just wanted to say that the don't be distracted by the fact that every once in a while you're going to you know, run into someone who thinks they can split the heavens or <laughs> has some crazy view about some crazy new queen of Canada or these, these sorts of things. This is, these are just distractions. The media would love to jump on those, right? Yep. But those are distractions. Um, truth, truth ultimately prevails, logic, sober-mindedness. That's what we need on the ground. Mm-hmm. So in the past, you've made predictions before and uh, you you have a record of being quite Right. So <laughs> I'm a little bit hesitant to ask this question, but I'm just on the spot thinking, where do you predict things are going to go? Where, mm. What's your prediction? Or I don't know yeah. if that's wise to say. But. <laughs> well, I could tell you one thing I'm absolutely certain of. Jesus is eventually going to come back. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, when I, when you use the word prediction, the first thought is, is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not. That, that's So yeah, So here's the thing. Um, just a little little sidebar. Pray for, pray for discernment. I, I remember being a little boy and, and reading about Solomon's wisdom. And I said to the Lord, Lord, make me wise like that. I might even have gone so far as to make me the, uh, maybe this was a little arrogant, but I said, make me the second wisest man that ever lived. <laughs> I don't need to be smart, but I want to be wise, you know, because... Raw intelligence is is a benefit, but wisdom is that practical practical living, right? That skillful living. So in my way of thinking, when we, we need to pray to the Lord for wisdom to be able to discern the times, to be able to understand the patterns and behaviors of people and to be able to understand and, and see how God is working in the world. And when you sort of bring all that, that when those things converge, and you have wisdom at your disposal and you have discernment, you have experience and, and, and you have an understanding of human nature and understanding how God works in history, then it's easier to quote unquote predict what is going to happen. Not with absolute certainty, but to predict what's going to happen. So my prediction, if you want to call it that, is that the, the powers that be are only going to buckle if sufficient pressure is put on them from other politicians and the citizenry, I do not think that there is anything in the heart of Mr. Doug Ford or anything in the heart of Mr. Justin Trudeau that will motivate them to remove the mandates in and of themselves. I think they are very entrenched. I believe they have demonstrated a lot of stubbornness a lot of willful rebellion, unwillingness to actually expose themselves to alternative views. I think they are both, uh, especially Mr. True, I think he, this is why we did that podcast, The Most Dangerous Man in North mm-hmm. America. I think he is, he is a very, very, he's very, very committed to his ideology. He, he wants, he has an agenda to foist upon our people that goes well beyond COVID and he wants that absolute control over culture so that he gets away with doing whatever he wants. So in and of himself, he's he's not a righteous person. I hate to say this, I want him to come to faith in Jesus Christ, but he he is a wicked man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he in and of himself is not gonna relent. He will not relent. 
I don't believe that for a moment. So we, we, we have to continue to put pressure on, on, um, MPs and MPPs to force these men to end the mandates and to relinquish for the premier to relinquish emergency mm-hmm. powers. I, I have mixed feelings about this, but I don't think that the police really want to raid these protests, to push people out of the way. I, I don't see that happening anytime soon unless something changes. Now, I'm saying that from a logical perspective. They need to remember Ipperwash, right? Yep. Like, we need to remember things like that. Like, you, 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 you get one death and this is going to look really, really bad. No matter whether, no matter whose side that's on. Nobody wants that. Nobody wins yep. when there's violence. Nobody wins when there's violence. We don't want violence. We want a peaceful end. What, what happens though is there's these whisper campaigns that go on. Oh, we're going to send in the CS to take your kids. We'll see if that rattles some cages. Oh, we're going to, we're going to, you know, raid your, 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 uh, um, protest site. We'll see, see what that rattles some cages and it does rattle some cages, but I'm out of here. You know, look, darkness hates light, Mm -hmm. right? And it's afraid of the light, but the light's not afraid of the darkness. We need to be courageous in all of this. Let's not let ourselves fall into the trap of fear. There's no reason to be afraid. Think God is doing an amazing work. And we're going to win this, mm-hmm. if not in this life, the next. So I, I think this is probably going to drag on for a little bit. We're going to have a lot of the public rising up and speaking out against protesters because, again, they want to be enslaved. But I think their narrative is crumbling. Mm-hmm. I think their narrative is crumbling, especially when you see other jurisdictions and nations um, speaking out you know, against mandates or at least, you know, relieving the man, the pressure, of the mandates on people. So the, the, the movement I sense it's, it's small, but it's growing is towards Liberty again. Mm-hmm. I, I sense it's moving incrementally that way, but we have to think as incremental as slowly, slowly. So it's moving in that direction. It's good. So those are just my, my general uh, predictions. I, I can't see that those that are, Especially on the federal level, when you have liberal par- liberal members of parliament speaking out, you know, against the, the the decisions of their leader, that puts their leader in a very precarious situation politically, and increasingly he's going to have pressure on him to to uh, to change. So I think he's vulnerable, and he he senses that. And when you have a, a leader that uh, isn't righteous, who feels cornered. They can also do some dramatic things, but fortunately he's, his power is still limited. Mm-hmm. Right? He has limited power. He's not our King. Um, I don't, I don't see churches really changing their tune much. Yeah. It's a sad one, unfortunately. Yeah. I, so. I, I think that those, those that are gonna, those that are speaking out are the ones that will continue to speak out. And those that buckle and bow and pay homage to Caesar are going to continue to buckle and bow and pay homage to Caesar. And at this point, I'm really not giving them much of my time or attention because, mm-hmm. you know, at some point you do feel like you're sort of casting your pearls before swine mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, wasting your time. But I am predicting more and more conversions and um, more and more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I haven't asked you this. So we have a baptism coming up on the 20th. What do we have like? 
there's probably, well, the, because I was in Ottawa this week, I haven't caught up with a bunch of them. So okay. if you're listening to this podcast and you signed up and I haven't called you yet, I will, <laughs> but we're probably between 15 and 20. Okay. So that'll, that'll probably so. get up to 25 or 30. So that's pretty exciting. That's, uh, more people professing faith in Jesus Christ. And I anticipate we'll continue to see a lot of that happening. Mm -hmm. Before we go, is there any other updates or things you wanted to run past people? Uh, any other words, even not related to what we're talking about, but. Well, to our, to our American listeners or people listening in other countries, I, I would encourage you to, to, so if you live in an area that's freer than ours, Learn the lessons in advance of what we're experiencing and don't let it happen in your constituency to the best of your ability. If you have the wherewithal, support us, speak out uh, on our behalf. We're super thankful for so many of our American brothers and sisters who have done that. We've got a lot of support from the US. The, um, the CBC news guy asked me today, well, if we remove the mandates here, but we don't in the U.S., what does that matter? Well, our American brothers need to fight that fight for mm -hmm. us on the other side of the border because we, but I, I think if Trudeau or Biden were to buckle on the cross-border vaccine mandate, mm -hmm. then the other would follow suit because they're, you know, buddy, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I can't see one country saying, okay, we're not going to require vaccinations across the border and the other to say, oh, we're going to, like that would make sense. You'd have traffic going one way and not the other. Makes right. no sense. So if you're in, in the U.S., continue to put pressure on your officials to not require vaccinations for Canadians to enter your country or Americans to come into our country. That's good. Praying for one another. Ultimately, we, we have this little line on a map that says we're two different nations, but we're all part of the holy nation of Christ, right? So we, we're, we're, we are one in Christ and... Um, Fortunately, we, you know, we share a lot of the same cultural heritage and we speak for the most part, the same language. So we're all in this together. We're championing the efforts of our American brothers, our Australian brothers. And I know they're doing the same for us. And we're seeing more and more convoys and protest groups around the world. So that this is a good thing, but long-term, we can't just sort of take a deep breath and exhale and be content with the end of the mandates. We have a hundred year war ahead of us to change culture and to fight against tyranny and statism and godlessness. Ultimately, we need our nation to repent and to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And obviously you're never gonna have a hundred percent of the nation do that. Israel didn't have that at any point in history where 100% were believers. But when you have a growing number of believers, even godless people benefit from that. Mm -hmm benefit from the 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 the, the limit, limited liberties that the word of God places upon human culture and human families and human governments. So this is a, there's a lot of great things happening and I just want to encourage our listeners outside of our immediate jurisdiction to continue to champion and support one another. We're thankful for the little break that our brothers in Alberta mm -hmm. are experiencing with the lifting of the mandates. I think it was midnight was the last night or the night before now? I think it was the night before maybe. Okay. Days are sort of blending together here. Um, yeah. So, and some, some reprieve in uh, PEI. I'm hearing some reprieves in um, Saskatchewan. Yep. So we're, we're seeing more and more uh, liberties 
reinstated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even like to use that language because it almost makes it sound like the the state has the authority to give and to give and remove liberties. I do believe they have the they have the right to put laws in place to protect the righteous and punish the evil. I do believe they're responsible for public justice. We just bristle at the idea that they have control over every aspect of life. So anyway. That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah, let's just pray for health. And, you know, there's people that are sick this time of the year. We're praying for uh, one another, encouraging one another and supporting one another and banding together. There, this is an exciting time to be a Christian and God is on the move. He's doing an amazing work across our nation. We just got to, we can't grow weary of well-doing and we need to continue to uh, persevere to the end. That's good. So come out to Windsor. We'd love to have you. I'm sure the, the brothers and sisters in Ottawa would also. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast this week. Just a reminder that if you have it, well, you found us somehow. So whatever platform you found us on, share us on uh, and get more people listening. Spread the word. We're also heard on CJXC Radio, Canada's Constant Christian Companion at 11 a.m. Tuesdays and rebroadcast 11 p.m. Thursdays. And then also, as you know, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network has hosted our podcast so graciously. We're grateful for that. And you can download their app and hear this podcast as well as some others from across North America. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you for taking me along to Ottawa. That was great. I'm sure uh, hoping we can get back there sometime. And please, again, to our listeners, tune in next week to another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Roth.